Welcome once again to Houndstooth Heroes. This is the Corn Dog Edition. Uh, my name is Greg Dawkins. I'm joined as always by a friend and co-host Ellis Metz, and we have a special guest who we'll get to just in a second. If you do the program, you can find us on the website at houndstoothheroes.com or on Facebook or on Twitter at H2th Heroes. Quick housekeeping, we would not be here without good guys at Wild Bill's Wing Sauce. Uh, Bill Howard in particular, if you didn't already know, Bill has rolled out a Carolina ghost pepper wing sauce, which we could not recommend more. And you can find it at wildbillsauce.com or anywhere that Bama Wise products are sold. We keep saying that, like there actually are people who are new to the program, which I think... Well, who know, I don't know. And also, Bama Wise products... The pig, the Windexy, go hit it up. You can find it. It's there. Okay, well, all our new listeners out there, you check it out. Hey, new listener. We also need to tell that same listener about the good folks at Druid City Brewing right there in the heart of Tuscaloosa on 15th Street. Uh, Bo and Elliot there have just rolled out the red carpet for their heroes the past couple of weeks, and the guys continue to do big things. If you are in Tuscaloosa, get their way. They have a Lamplighter IPA that is to die for, a Parkview Pilsner, many others. Uh, and also, if you go there on game day, tell the Boy Scouts you're parking there for the beer. Best deal in town. Exactly. And speaking of libations, what are you drinking, Ellis, Matt? Oh, Gregory, I made a, a late stop on the way to the podcast here to pick up uh, something that I haven't had since probably... I'll call it freshman year of college because listener Fred could be tuned in. Uh, mm-hmm. The Abita Purple Haze, and I gotta say, trash. that's trash. That beer is trash. It is. It is just not good. Uh, it's it's fine when mixed with a straw gator, but that's about mm-hmm. all I can say for it. What are you drinking, my friend? Well, you know, I'm moving to Guatemala here in two days, so I'm getting acclimated to the rum. Nothing but rum all day, all night, all rum. <laughs> it's all rum with me, am I right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, as I here's the thing: the the drinking what I drank was going to be Cubs dependent. I didn't yes. know what was going to happen with the Cubs. Uh, if I was going to have to go straight tequila, if we've gotten eliminated, but we did not, so we're still alive. So your boy is not going to drown in sorrows just yet. They better put you away. I'll say that much. Mm-hmm, I hear you. Uh, speaking of baseball, though. We mentioned we have a special guest, and uh, we might as well get to it. Uh, resident baseball expert, Charlie Pond, is on the podcast. He's back <laughs> to talk about Alabama baseball. And as we are a podcast who enjoys a beverage, before we get to it, Charlie, what are you enjoying this evening? I am enjoying a Cahaba Blonde. Cahaba Ooh. American Blonde from Birmingham, Alabama. Mm. Cheers to you, mm. pal. Exactly. Hey, drink right. local. Exactly. Let's get to it, brother. Uh, we've got a brand new coach. We've got a brand new team. We've got a brand new outlook. Tell us all about it. Brand new outlook. Brand brand new team. Um, probably similar result this season. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good, good. Uh, You're just a basket <laughs> full of joy. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we've had a, a very optimistic offseason. Um, you know, our, our, our resident football baseball player Keith Holcomb is is doing his thing on the football field mm-hmm. uh, while he's been doing that we've had a little fall practice okay um we are actually you know uh returning 
uh, a couple of guys who were instrumental in our uh, uh, decent season last year. Uh, uh, Jake Walters and uh, Nick Eicholtz. Actually, Nick Eicholtz was a 13th round pick, and he decided to come back and uh, play another season under Coach Goff. So that's actually really exciting because that's two of our weekend starters that we had last year who are going to be back this year. And in the SEC, as we know, uh, pitching is everything. So um, we should be really excited about that. Um, and we, we've got some some good players coming back, and Coach Goff is hitting the recruiting trail pretty hard. I, you know, y'all probably know this as, as well as I do that baseball recruiting is a lot different than football recruiting or basketball recruiting yeah. because you have to kind of hit the sweet spot because if you recruit at a high level, mm-hmm. you're going to lose those guys to the first five rounds of the draft and they're never going to step foot on this on your campus. Um, so that's happened to, to Gaspard a few times. I think there was a, there was a streak there where Sherholtz with the Braves took our best recruit for like five consecutive years including while his son was at Auburn. So I think there is a conspiracy there. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's something I did want to talk about while I had you here, because LSU seems to do that really well. They recruit, but they don't recruit too highly. I mean, you don't, you know, everybody that they bring in, uh, you don't hear about them leaving for the draft. They play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, where are we in terms of bringing kids in? What kind of, what, what, what do we got? What's happening? Yeah, so Coach Golf's done a really good job of, um, getting some commitments early. And I don't know if it's just because we're, we're paying attention more because we have a new coach, but it seems that like a, every other week we get some type of new commitment, whether it be for this 2017 recruiting class or 18 or even 19. Um, one thing that did happen is our, our best recruit on, that was in the class for 2017 under Coach Gaspard was a guy named Tanner Burns from Decatur, Alabama, where it's greater. And um, (laughs) he, uh, as soon as Coach Goff was announced, he opened up his his commitment, opened up his recruitment to Mississippi State and Auburn, and he ended up committing to Auburn. Um, He's one of those guys where he throws a you know ninety five mile an hour fastball as a senior in high school. He's probably going to get drafted, so uh, not gonna. I don't think it'll matter, but. Still, it, it hurts just because it's you know he was the the centerpiece of this of this class. But mm. you know he, uh, we're reaching into Texas and Louisiana for kids. Uh, Coach Goff obviously had a um, track record of recruiting well at Louisiana Tech, and um, re- probably reached into Texas. I don't really know Louisiana Tech's recruiting <laughs> history, but seems legit. I am sure he had a Texas uh, pipeline there. Um, One quick question for you. Yeah. There was some cause for concern early in the year. A lot of kids seem to be opening up their opening up up their uh, recruitment, if you want to call it that, and or decommitting, just basically decommitting. Uh, cause for concern or nay? I, I think when you have a new staff in general, um, you know, the college baseball recruiting is all about relationships, and so when you have an entire staff get tossed out of a program. Um, you're basically hitting restart on on the uh, on the recruiting trail, and so that should that should be expected that you lose guys who have had you know these relationships have been building for four years, and then you have uh, Coach Goff coming in, and that's just it's just going to happen. So I think I think it's not really a cause for concern. Uh, 
you know, his his big thing wherever he's gone, whether it be Montevallo, Campbell, or LaTeX, is um, the first year is is decent, um, but the big jump is that year two. And I think we'll probably see that. Like we'll we'll be competitive to an extent. We've got a lot of questions for 2017. Like I said, we've got our two two of our weekend starters back, and you've got some middle relief guys like Dylan Duarte and Kyle Cameron who are back, but we lose Matt Foster and, and Thomas Bur- uh, Burroughs to the draft, and they were studs in the back of the, the bullpen. Um, kept us in a lot of games. I mean, we last year we had the one of the lowest ERAs in the SEC, and we still didn't make the tournament, Like, and we're losing three of our best pitchers. So the offense is going to have to step up, but – we get a bunch of guys back, like Kobe Vance, who was actually a Texas League um, top prospect, which is a, a really competitive summer league, and he showed out in that league where he's got like the D1 baseball guys saying like he should be a, uh, a you know preseason All-SEC second baseman. Um, and we get Chandler Avant back, and so your middle of the lineup is going to, in middle of the, the field is going to be good, and um, you know that's where they say baseball comes down to is the strength of the middle. So. I, next year's a, it's going to be an interesting transitional year, but going forward, I mean, if you're a Bama fan, you got to be pleased with the the steps. Um, childhood Alabama fan Greg Goff has taken uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so far. I like that, and I've got to say, I've heard from at least one of my friends who may or may not be a raging Barner that Goff has left a trail of uh, sort of allegations and. And remnants of a dirty program. You got any light there? If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, Ellis. Hey, Roll tide. Damn right. Hey, and we can we can cheat with the best of them. I'm tired. You know? that, I mean, that's what I wanted to hear. Don't get me wrong. It's about we, damn time we started. Which is yeah. You just you just open up a, another wing of the wreck. You know, expand operations. Oh, oh, okay. I like the sound there. <laughs> exactly. Um. All right. What else you got? Anything else on baseball? No, not really. Okay, fair enough. Hey, hey, the Cubbies can win game six? <laughs> the Cubbies? Yeah, they're going to yeah. win game six. Ooh. Are we? They're going to win game six. You're, yeah, you're on the air saying that, pal. Uh-huh. Do what? You're on the air saying that. Hey, live live uh, TV or live radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, all right. Well, here, here's, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Okay, so my whole thing with the Cubs – is I really wanted them um, to get down early in this series mm. because if they come back, then it's even more historic, right? Right. But if they lose, and Greg, you're not going to like this, if they lose game six or game seven, they've waited 108 years. What's another year? They're going to be good next year, too. They got everybody coming back. I know, but you're a monster for saying that. You are. An absolute and it's, well, they better win this year or next year because 2018 is the year of the Braves, the Cobb County Braves. <laughs> Fine. You, you know Greg is far too fragile to hear these types of things right now. The Braves, sponsored by IKEA. Oh, Lord. All right. Uh, do you want to get to the, uh, the the big question on hand before we let Charlie go? There, well, there are two things I'd like to discuss with Charlie, uh, All right. our longtime listener, Fred. Right. Hey, Fred. Uh, well, remember, we once had Charlie on for a Tennessee week where the guy brought all kinds of hate. And I think we would uh, be hugely remiss if we did not just touch on the 
complete dumpster fire, and I apologize to all dumpster fires everywhere, that is the right. Tennessee Vols football team this week. Uh, if yeah. you've been watching the news, they, of course, <laughs> uh, lost to Coach, Coach Boom and the Cox in Columbia Saturday night. Uh, that is undefeated Coach Boom, Will Muschamp, now 5-0 and against the Tennessee Vols in his prestigious coaching career. Uh, and wow. and afterward, there were all kinds of subtweets and rumors and hilarity that ensued, uh, including leading running back Jalen Hurd announcing he is leaving the team, and what I'm going to go on and call a blatant lie in Coach Butch Jones claiming that Jonathan Kongbo uh, was tweeting pictures of cleats hanging up and talking about FIFA video games, because that is absolutely not the case. Anybody got any <laughs> takes for us there? I've, I've got an actual, I've got an actual schematic take for you. Oh. All right, this this kid is 6'4", 220. Heard? Uh, yeah. Why? All right. And he wanted to come be a running back. Now, he's transferring out in order to be a wide receiver or a tight end, which he has the body for. Um why would he want to be a running back in that scheme anyway? When you have the body to do something, I mean, he was he was a good running back. I'm not I'm not saying he's bad, but it's an odd it's an odd body shape for that position anyway. Uh, but he was recruited as a running back. Why is he there? I guess is my I've, I guess is my question. I've got a little insight there, actually, entirely. I'll let you jump in. But uh, I know for a fact Alabama recruited him to play something other than running back. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't promise you what it was. Uh, but yeah, it was I believe, Yeah, you're right. I believe his reasoning for going to Tennessee was because probably Derek Dooley, maybe Butch Jones, promised him that they would play him at running back, which I guess is what he wanted to hear as an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently apparently – he was promised last year because he wanted to transfer after last season. And he was promised by um, coach Butch that he would be lined up in the I formation more. And they did, they, somebody said today he has been lined up in the I formation exactly zero times this season. So <laughs> promise unfulfilled. Man. And yet, okay. I, I just, all right. A six, four, two forty guy in the I formation, just this giant weird gawky freak show in the eye just doesn't seem normal to me. Well, it's not, but ask yourself this. How would you feel if you were the second best Jalen H-U-R in your own conference? Right, right, right. That's important. a good point. Many people that don't think that. about that. All right. Yeah. Anything else? Do we just, anybody Anybody have any good thoughts on the Vols? Okay, right I, okay, I'll ask, okay I, got, I do have some more thoughts on that. Uh Friend of the program, not so much friend of the program, just somebody I know, Peter Burns from SEC Network, <laughs> talked about it Total today. Total friend of the program. Right, exactly. Well, maybe he will be one day. Don't, 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 don't start. Um, I was talking today about Butch Jones and will he be there next year. And, the, and Pete Burns was saying, absolutely, he's made Tennessee into – gotten Tennessee – into the national conversation. And my question for you fellas is this. They are two plays away from being three and five. The Hail Mary at Tennessee at, at Georgia and the Ford fumble at Appy State mm-hmm. uh, 
and they lose those two plays go the wrong way. They're three and five. Aside from preseason hype, how in the hell are they in the national conversation? Because everybody's laughing about them. This well, is fantastic. Okay. I mean, all the I, press is good press. I take it. Okay. <laughs> I think that this is just another example of just the Tennessee clown shoes that they, they, they put on their clown shoes every morning when they wake up and they think this is the day that somebody's going to compliment them on how great their shoes look. <laughs> but they always slip on the banana. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> And they never learn. They never learn. You wake up every single year, preseason, and Tennessee is going to be the best team, and they're going to compete with the Tide, and they're going to break the streak. Same shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. And it's just – I couldn't ask for a better – uh, a better rival to have, a better main rival. I, to have. I couldn't agree, and that's one reason I'm sad to see Jalen Hurd go, is because he was so much fun to dominate. Same thing with Kongbo, uh, Charlie. I just I didn't know that you knew the one way to my heart was an extended clown metaphor, and yet here we are. <laughs> it is Halloween. So. Good point. Good point. Uh, moving on to the second matter at hand that I wanted to get your take on, because Greg and I got into a heated debate before. Uh, before the call started recording or the NSA was mm-hmm. listening in or however it worked. But right. uh, moving on to LSU, and we're not quite ready to talk the game at hand, but if you had to look at this LSU team uh, from their first game against Wisconsin until now and relate that team to a Billy Joel song, what you got for us? Hmm. You may go first. I can go first. Go, go ahead, Charles. Okay. Um, hold on. Google's Billy Joel song. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I know All you're right. a Billy Joel guy. You I'm got not, it. I'm not. You, you've got a lunar voice. I've seen you sing Christmas carols. I've seen you dance at Boo Radley's late at night. Billy Joel you're is a, you're, 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 a, you're a Jimmy Buffett man. How are you not a Billy Joel that, guy? That has to be the <laughs> smallest Venn diagram to not cover Billy <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well... To answer your question and to answer your question, you may be right. Ooh. Oh. Did you okay. just steal my song? No. Oh, Is that your ahead. song? Yes. Go oh, ahead. Crap. Steal my song. It's fine. I got In his defense, he literally <laughs> just Googled Billy Joel song. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, well, now I feel bad, Greg. Well, All right, no, Greg. Go give us your reasoning for that one. Charlie, you, All keep, right. you keep looking at Google. Okay. okay. All right. You, you may be right. Here's the thing. As we opened with Big Shot is clearly the best Billy Joel song. Yes. There's not, there's, there's not, nobody. It, it, it's, it's, it's on the best Billy Joel album of Forty Second. Is it Forty Second Street or Fifty Second Street? Anyway, it's something Street. It's on the best Billy Joel album. It's the best song on that album, and you know, obviously, there's a cocaine reference. So what? How can you go wrong? Uh, but so that's the best one. When you look down a little down the list, though. There's some other cool Billy Joel songs. Vienna's good. Uh, you know, there's some neat Billy Joel songs. Some some people enjoy Uptown Girl. I'm not one of them. You May Be Right, however, is about the middle of the pack in terms of the Billy Joel hits that you're like, okay, it's a jam, but it sort of leaves you disappointed. It's a little stale. And that's, and that's the balls to me. Hmm. I'll Tiger. allow that. Here's what I was... What, what spurred this conversation in my mind today is 
somehow I had just the God-forsaken pleasure of having, for the longest time, stuck in my head today. And it occurred to me that that is this LSU football team uh, in a Billy Joel song. <laughs> because really? sort of a jam? Like, there's some stuff going on that I kind of feel on a spiritual level and really enjoy. But in my heart of hearts, I know it's trash. It's trash, dude. Like, and I mean, there's this uh, there's, music video that has of, some sort of... There's some solid Billy Joel songs. New York State of Mind is good. Piano Man, Piano He's Man. Always a Woman. Vienna's good, as I've said. Uh, Honesty is even good. But I'm sorry. They are... That is... I, 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 the song you have chosen is is the Vanderbilt of Billy Joel songs. Ooh. I mean, and maybe that's it. I still... I would still argue that it jams a little bit. But, I mean, if I wanted some sort of quartet music, I would go watch The Music Man. Okay, fine, fine, fine. And that's what, Charlie, that's what I'm going to tell Leonard Fournette this weekend is... Uh-huh. If you, Charlie, if you say we didn't start the fire, I'm going to beat your ass. I'm not saying that. Okay, and I just had to come up with this on the top of my head. But I'm going to say, if you ask any person on the street, you know, oh, name your favorite Billy Joel song, they're going to... An average citizen would probably mm. say Piano Man. Yes. And in the in the same vein, um, if you ask a random college football fan, what are the best teams in the SEC? You're gonna say LSU probably is one of the top four, top three, four teams. Right. Um, it's just gonna it's always gonna come. You say, oh, like the Alabamas of the world and the LSU's of the world. Right. But if you look back on like what LSU actually is, it's just kind of a bunch of it's an overrated mess. Like Panaman's too long and it's weird and it's kind of sad. And that's how I feel watching LSU season most of the time. I mean, even their national championship season has a two-loss record. I don't know. Is that good? Okay. Yeah, let's go. I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll allow that. I always feel like a little soggy listening to Piano Man. It's just yeah. like, I don't want to hear about this guy making love to a tonic and gin. And who that's calls gross. it a tonic and gin? Right. I mean, as a former bartender, I got to tell you, nothing's grosser than somebody that orders a mixer before the liquor. Ugh. Yeah. Right, who does that? Yeah. And anyway. Les Miles was like everybody loved him. He was a he was an uh, American treasure, but mm-hmm. it's kind of he's kind of a bad coach. Like time yeah. time wise, he was a great recruiter, but like when did do you ever watch an LSU, LSU game and and not and to be like wow, Les Miles beat them with coaching. That was incredible. <laughs> right. right, he managed the hell out of that clock. Yeah, right. And 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 now Coach O is, I mean. Coach O was, was a terrible coach at Ole Miss, and he got lucky that he had Lane's talent at USC, and now he's feeding off of uh, of Les's talent at, at LSU. But really all they're doing is just running the ball with Fournette. It's like, wow, who would have thought that? Like, oh, we're going to give the ball to the best running back in the in the league? I mean, well, I guess it, never, it never occurred to Les, so you've got to give him that. And Guiche or whatever his name is, the backup running back. He's, I forgot I mean, about the, Guiche. <laughs> But anyway, All right. I've done enough. I'm going to let y'all go. You're the best, Charlie. Thank you again for coming on and talking about baseball and Billy Joel. Real tight. And and let me give a shout-out to uh, Coach Avery Johnson and the boys uh, kicking off the season this week. I'm very excited for some Alabama basketball because uh, this is going to be the year that we shock the world and make it to the tournament. Okay. Well, you know. Buckle up. Buckle. Exactly. Buckle up Always a pleasure, Pond. All right. Have a good one, brother. That was a nice little segue you gave us, too. 
it exactly because we're about to talk about baseball. Hey, I was really like this whole time. I've been trying to figure out how we're going to pivot from Billy well, Joel gonna, to basketball. But Charlie well, we did can it do it right there. now. We're going to do it right now because let me just tell you, two five-star recruits are set to announce on the same day: one Colin Sexton and one John Petty. That is a fact, and I've got some of their uh, little info here in front of me. i got to say, neither one strikes me as a real basketball name, but we'll start with the first one you said, right. Colin Sexton. He is a six foot one senior point guard from Pebblebrook High School in Mableton, Georgia. You got any intel on Mableton? Not a, not a drop. No, no, me neither. No, uh, none. But, but he will be the first on November 10th uh, to announce his signing. That is the second day of college basketball's week-long early signing period. Sexton is the number seven ranked prospect in the recruiting class of 2017. That's via rivals. And his uh-huh. list includes Kansas, Alabama, Georgia, Georgia Tech, and NC State. Old, old uh, Godfrey. Mark's Madness over there. Exactly. And the second guy we got is the number 30th uh, uh, recruit in the nation by the name of John Petty. And this is a more column section is a little iffy on it, but Petty, we probably got nailed down. It's a six, five senior shooting guard out of Jemison in Huntsville. Uh, also announcing November 10th, uh, narrowed his choices down to Alabama, Kentucky, but apparently, uh, decided to cancel his visit to Kentucky. So let's hope that's good news for the time. And that should be, uh, that, but like I said, but we're in the mix for two five-star recruits, speaks well of Antoine Petway and the rest of Avery Johnson's hoop staff. Because really, you know, the folks across the state have been talking a good bit. You know what I'm saying? I've heard that. Yeah, with their fat coach. They've been saying a whole lot about how uh, our guy can't recruit and they're just recruiting up a storm. And in the reality, they are recruiting up a storm. I'm not going to say they're not, but we can too. And the reality, I mean, I read something recently that for the first time in a very long time, both the schools of the state could end up in the top five in recruiting for the year in wow. basketball. Yeah, and I think you uh, nailed the source of it right there. Antoine Petway, former player at Alabama, mm-hmm. has apparently been a huge key from, from all knowledgeable sources say that he has kind of made uh, the difference in Coach Johnson's turnaround. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. It would be absolutely hilarious for Auburn to get their best recruiting class ever in basketball, only to have it topped by Alabama. We're uh, still, we're still better. Always. I really can't <laughs> lend any more insight into these folks other than what we've given you, except for the fact that you mentioned John Petty canceled his visit, his official visit yeah. to Kentucky, which apparently sent the Kentucky basketball message boards aflame. And I take oh, that as a great sign. You, are you telling me Kentucky overreacted to something? Totally overreacted. I know this Get is probably out. the first time, but it happened. Exactly. All right. Well, enough about basketball because it hasn't started yet. We're going to get on the weekend at hand. Uh, we have delayed long enough. The Tide rolls into Baton Rouge on a five-game winning streak, dating, dating back to the 2011 BCS National Championship game. And as could be expected, the Tigers are already handing us bulletin board material early in the week. LSU linebacker, whose name I can't recall, is already saying they're going to dominate Alabama's offense and the entire Alabama's team. So that's nice. You're laughing. Yeah, yeah, no, I am. And you would have thought people would have learned. 
Uh, they Ooh. seem to have done this once or twice before. They never learned. They never learned. Uh, yeah, I learned, I'm, I'm okay, sure I, Scott I, Cochran didn't mention that at all this week. No, not at all. Uh, I did learn this today. This is a telling on LSU. And I'm, granted, I've never done release this information, but LSU is the only school in the conference that d- donates more to their athletic program and their academic program. And it shows because you stay, if you say shit like that, you're not real smart. That was nice. That was researched. That was that was uh-huh, pointed. Uh-huh. I liked it. Right, right. I'm good at this sometimes. Uh, anyway, Ellis, tell me, what should we look for when LSU has the ball? Well, if you will recall for our longtime listener that we referenced earlier. Hello, Fred. Fred, still in, I hope. Uh, <laughs> last year I told the story of when I was in Baton Rouge uh, shortly after LSU played Auburn, maybe the day after, and the pastor got up there in gold and purple and gave a sermon on Fournette fever. And I gotta say, oh. I think the folks down on Dubai you have caught another case of Fournette fever because oh. my forecast for Saturday is Fournette, Fournette, and more Fournette. Uh, is there he like finally a Valtrex returned. You can take for that? It was how many? Is there like a Valtrex you can take for Fournette fever? <laughs> Uh, it, it may very well be. I think it's called Jonathan Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, Fournette, I, there was much speculation that he was uh, sort of taken this season easily so that he could prepare for his NFL career. Frankly, I'm not entirely convinced that that's not still happening. Uh, returned from a bruised foot and then ran for 284 yards against Ole Miss. Uh, now, granted, this is the Ole Miss defense that just allowed God knows how many yards against Auburn, uh, made just their scrubs of running backs look like Herschel Walker back there. So mm-hmm. I'm not putting hardly any stock into that, although I do think Fournette, of course, presents a formidable challenge. Uh, but what LSU has had an issue with in the past is uh, balancing the running game with the pass game. So this year they seem to have maybe found a quarterback in Purdue reject. Some okay. some would call him a transfer, but I have here in my notes reject. Danny Etling. Uh, and he's just hard to read right now. Their competition has been iffy. Uh, of course, they solidly beat a Mizzou team who lost to MTSU. Uh, they trash. beat Southern Miss. Yes, thank you, Trash. Beat Southern Miss, who is most likely Trash. trash. Might be okay. Uh, then they lost to Auburn, which was just an absurd game. They didn't have Fournette during it, and of course it came down to that bogus trash uh, referee call at the end. And that sort of tells us, I think, that Etling just can't beat you by himself. Uh, he's not terribly accurate, doesn't seem to have command of the deep ball. Stop me if this sounds Fine. at all familiar to anyone. <laughs> Uh, the big variable, I gotta say, I'm crossing myself, saying RIP, is the loss of our boy, Eddie Jackson. Who we never doubted. Never did once. Uh, (laughs) and surely we have no doubts about how this defense will respond. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, get it together. Get it together. Okay, Uh, pull it together. If the secondary remains elite and can... I'm not even sure they have to be elite, but just not blow any coverages, not do anything that's just totally stupid. I think LSU is in for a long afternoon. We can stack the box and have us a big old day. Uh, Coach Saban has now had two weeks to get the new play caller up to speed, although, interestingly, in today's press conference, 
Uh, he told reporters, and obviously Saban always uh, puts his cards on the table, that they haven't figured out who exactly will replace Eddie Jackson. Uh, really? So much left to be seen if you there. Have, And if you believe that, I have a bridge for sale. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's my take. Any takes you've got on when LSU has the ball there? Uh, I do. I, 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 well, when LSU has the ball, I agree with everything you said. I think it depends entirely. I think we're fine defending the run. Obviously, we're going to be fine defending the run. Uh, it, like you said, it's going to depend entirely on the secondary. I think this is the week that the defensive touchdown probably comes to an end mm-hmm. uh, because we're not going I, – I, Etling will throw an interception from time to time, but I'm not sure with this – that's what scares me is without Eddie Jackson calling the plays – that we're going to be in position to make the right interceptions this week. Well, so that kind of—I think their game plan will be built squarely around taking care of the ball. You think? Maybe. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they don't I have no idea. Uh, I think that's about all we got. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk to me about when Alabama has the ball? <clears throat> I can. I could talk to you about it, but I wish I knew the answer because the only team LSU has played with a decent running game was Wisconsin, and their leading rusher at 86 yards. But that was the first game of the year, and a lot has changed since then. Auburn is good at running the ball, but they weren't good at running the ball when LSU played them. Mm -hmm. So as far as defending the run, I honestly have no idea what they are capable of. As for a passing defense, they did seem to contain Chad Kelly from Ole Miss better than most people. Uh, held him to 20 out of 33 for 218 yards through the air, which is about half of what Chad Kelly is accustomed to getting. Uh, so with that in mind, and with our accuracy issues, I suspect there won't be a lot of yards to be had through the air. Um, and LSU is, hey, they're, they are LSU on defense. They're going to be strong. Uh, so I suspect yards and points are going to be hard to come by as usual. I, you know... I don't think I don't think we're going to look at nine to six again, but I think it's going to be a relatively low, low scoring game. What about yourself? Yeah, I think you you nailed it uh, in the sense that it's an LSU defense, so passing the ball is going to be hard to come by. That's been their mo for decades now. Uh, defensive coordinator Dave Aranda. Mm-hmm. Aranda, nifty little name, came from Aranda. Wisconsin where they, of course, were built for stopping more of these Big Ten offenses that were going to pound the rock. So I think a lot of it uh, kind of continuing a theme that we've seen for our entire season. We'll come back to what Jalen can make on on the fly, uh, whether yeah. he has to run it himself or whether he can scramble around, get out of some tackles, and find an open guy, which seems unlikely. Uh, I think a lot of it will come down to that. All right, fair enough. Okay, next up, here is history. History, history. History, history, history. Uh, And by the numbers, Alabama leads the series. 50 wins to 25 losses with five ties. As far as interesting stories look, there aren't any. We tried our damnedest to find some. But here's what I've got on history. LSU has a history of whining and complaining. 
if that counts as a history. They whine about night games. Some sort of generic complaint about Birmingham influencing <laughs> everything. Maybe there's a plant in Birmingham. I don't really know. But the scheduling gods always seem to favor them. Florida had a natural disaster, and you still whine. It's what they do best. They have a history of nothing but complaining, and that's all I have about history. What about you? No, you nailed it, and, and leave it to an LSU fan to come up with the hashtag Bama privilege. Bama uh, privilege. However, he may it. choose to spell it. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the English language is fluid down on the bayou. Uh, right. I'm going to give you a few stats. You may have Go said ahead. it, but the series is led by Alabama 50, 25, and 5. Uh, one interesting note, I, I pulled up sort of the recent record. You have to go back to November of 2001 to find the last time that an unranked team won this game. That may be, uh, that may be a unique record in college football, and I'll wow. do you even okay. better. Okay. Say what? Yeah, go ahead. I'll do you one even better and say that out of those, so what, that's 15 games. My math is hard. I think it's 15 yeah. games. There were just three in that span where the team who won was ranked outside the top five. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that helped me put a perspective on this quote-unquote rivalry. That does include the January 9th, 2012 butt-whooping that was Mm -hmm. the BCS championship game. Good times there, right? right? This is a lot lot like the Auburn game for me in that as much as we talk about it and talk about it and talk about it, the better team usually wins. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, Auburn, the Auburn game is is peculiar in that everybody, you know, rivalry game, anything can happen, anything can happen. But in the Alabama-Auburn game, anything can happen, it just never does. The team is supposed to win the game for the most part. You know, uh, you know, there's been some anomalies, but for the most part through the series, the team is supposed to win the game, wins the game. And this is sort of like that. Uh, there have been a few freak shows, and who knew that was going to happen. But for the most part... The team that's ranked the highest, that is ready to go, usually wins the game. Yeah, and despite the fact that I would say both teams, sort of relative to the whole SEC, have pretty prestigious histories, uh, Alabama's longest win streak is 11 games from 71 to 81, and meanwhile, LSU's longest streak is a mere five games that basically all took place during the Shula years. Granted, he right. faced some of the best teams LSU has ever had, coached by one right. Nick Saban. Uh, the, I just wanted to ask you, while we're on the heroes, if you had to choose your favorite Alabama LSU memory, what you got for us? Uh, my favorite, I can't remember the day, the, the, the year it was. Um, there's, there's, there's two. Um, one was, I was, God, I was uh, in elementary school. And it was driving. It was a driving rainstorm in 1979, and we won three to nothing. And it was one of my first games that I ever went to. Uh, I know, long time. Number ago. one, Alabama. I've got it here. You're right. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The other one was, oh God, I want to say 2000, when I left the stadium because we were we were, was it 2000? I think it was 99. Okay, when in we, I left the stadium, we were horribly behind. And I, my date and I were both just, uh, just 
outraged at the whole situation. We were down, like, right behind the LSU bench in the LSU section, uh, being subjected to everything that you get subjected to when you're there. And so we were like, finally, just to hell with it. Let's just go. Uh, but we ended up winning that game while we were walking to the car. And I could not have acted a bigger fool if I had tried. Uh, but it was my favorite memory just because of the, the, how it unfolded. So yourself? It's so hard for me to picture you acting a fool. That's just... I know. Just out of character, Gregory. Yeah, I know. Um, what about, and what about you? I probably have a couple myself. Um, I, of course, have a story that I will spare our listener where I dressed up as an official tour guide for the quote-unquote game of the century uh, in 2011, the regular season game that we lost 9-6, to so I won't get into that. Uh, I think I was at the Julio uh, screenplay game where he took that one back. That must have been 09. Yeah, that was Um, 09 because that was also Patrick Peterson. Nine interception we're going to maintain here. Uh, But my absolute favorite was at Tiger Stadium, which you can attest is just stands alone. Stands alone in the college landscape. Yeah, right. Uh, The 2012 game, the T.J. Yeldon little, I don't know what to call that because anyway. The T.J. Yeldon touchdown, uh, A.J. McCarron got the ball back with like 90 seconds left. Uh, Our boy, Kevin Norwood, caught as many big balls as I'll just stop. Kevin Norwood made some good plays, and uh, then Yeldon scored the touchdown. We were, we had great seats that a, a buddy of mine from Texas had set up right in the heart of LSU folk. Uh, everyone hated us. One of the best nights <laughs> of my life. I actually woke up the next morning, and I can't really understand this, but I was all but naked, wrapped in an elephant uh, like onesie suit that I've never seen before or since. Oh, good, good, so there you go. good. Perfect. That does sound like a, a quality evening on the bayou. That is true hero's history for you there. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get on to something that everybody's excited about. The picks. The yes, picks sir. of the week, including the Houndstooth Heroes. Hey, of the week! Of the week, of the week, of the week! Um. All right. Let's go ahead and get started with uh, your Vanderbilt Commodores are traveling to the uh, Auburn Tigers, where the doors are getting 25 and one-half football points. Who do you hate? Frankly, I don't even care who the barn is playing right now. Uh, they're right. on a roll. I, I hate it, but I'm not going to sit here and deny it and pretend it's otherwise. So I think, you know, if it was even 35, I would still probably heavily consider hating on the doors. But at 25 and a half, hating on the doors pretty heartily here yourself. You said you took it right out of my mouth. Uh, yeah, Barnes going to roll the doors. Uh, next up, the University of Georgia. This is kind of the intrigue game of the week because Kentucky is in a position to win the East right. if Florida loses to Arkansas and LSU, which is feasible. Um, Georgia is favored by only two and a half in Lexington. Who do you hate? Would just be the best. Kentucky getting to the SEC championship game. I know. I know. <laughs> I think they were 36-point dogs in Tuscaloosa earlier this season. The rematch, I would imagine, would be probably around 40, uh, which is every right. uh, TV programmer's dream. But 
I, I think I watched Georgia play this past weekend against whoever they played, Florida. And right. their defense has some athletes. I mean, they are not a good team. Their quarterback has a long way to go, and somehow they have decimated their own running game by no one else's fault but their own. That said, I just think Kentucky can't quite hang on the same field with them, so I'm hating the Cats here. Yourself? Yeah, I'm hating the Cats myself. Georgia is hot garbage, but, man, they've got to be better than Kentucky, right? Don't they? I think they do. I think they yeah. do. I mean, I think, I mean, surely to God. <laughs> but, hey, it's in Kentucky, so who knows? We'll all be, we're, we're all cats that weekend, I'm for sure. That's true. Uh, moving on, we have Florida, the current SEC East leaders, uh, who are right. four-point favorites heading into Burtville against the Hogs. Who you hate here? I hate a hog. Uh, Florida has no offense, but as it turns out, Hog has no defense, so I think Florida will be able to score some points, um, and uh, will Hog be able to score any points? Probably not, because Florida has the best defense in the country, so I think this is the easy one. Uh, Florida is going to just run Hog out of the building. Yourself? Hog is coming off a 56-3 to loss against the aforementioned Barn. I think for that reason... I may hate the Gators. I don't feel confident about it. Uh, but I thought Florida's offense looked really confused. McElwain oh. somehow hasn't instituted what he we know he can do. Uh, Luke Del Rio got banged up against Georgia. Sort of looked injured there for a while. I think the play here, if I had to make one, I mean, again, I'm hating the Gators. The play, the over-under is 47, and I like the under pretty heartily there. Yeah, that's a solid. That's a solid play. Uh, next up, Georgia Southern, the Golden Eagles head into Oxford, Mississippi, where they will be getting twenty and a half points at Ole Miss. Tell me what you think. Who do you hate? Well, we love. I know you love, and I will speak for myself. Love the Gasso Golden Eagles. Uh huh. Uh, I just think the offense presents too many challenges. Ole Miss's defense, garbage. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to begin. They can't tackle. They can't line up. They can't cover. They really can't do anything. Right. Uh, and and considering how much discipline stopping this Georgia Southern offense will take, uh, I'm hating the Rebs here. Yeah, I hate the Rebs too. Uh, I think all this wins. But look, Barner ran for 200 yards last week, and all Georgia Southern do- does is run the ball. Uh, with one week to get ready for that offense. Um, now, having said that, Georgia Southern is only three and four on the year, so it's not like they've been running through teams. True. Other teams have figured them out, but I'm not sure the Ole Miss defense can do it. Like I said, I, I, Ole Miss is going to win this game, but I don't think they're going to win it by 20 and a half. Yeah, I think that is a A plus take, Gregory. Uh, moving on, we have <laughs> Mizzou. Uh, the miserable Mizzouis, uh, who are plus one and a half at Coach Boom's Cox. Who you hate? All right, here's well, here's the thing. Uh, I hate the hell out of Mizzou in this game, but the problem with it is this game. Everybody else saw this as the the gift that it was too. This was my hate of the week at one and a half, but it has moved to four and a half or five when the when the course of one day. Uh, cause Mizzou is bad 
and the booms are coming off of Winter Row Vol. So I think they probably got a little confidence, and they're playing at home. So, yeah, I mean, even at four and a half or five, Mizzou, I, I, if this if this line was 10, I would take the booms over Mizzou. What about yourself? Hate of the week? Absolutely. Week, week, week. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think, again, they, Mizzou lost to MTSU. I don't know what else to say, but I imagine they right. are all uh, considering their plans after the season and Coach Boom has his team on a on a high right now. So hating the Golden Tigers. Do they go by Golden Tigers? They're, I don't know what they are. I don't know. They're just the Tigers. I just think. The I don't tigers, know. Maybe hating yeah. them regardless. Right. There you go. <laughs> Moving on, uh, we have an interesting line here that I'll let you dive into. But the Tamu Milkman Aggies are ten mm-hmm. and a half point faves in Starkville. Who you hate here? All right, this. Okay, this was my first runner-up hate of the week because I hate Moo in this game a lot. It's a head-scratcher, man. Uh, I watched a little of the Moo game when they played Samford, and look, Samford took them to the wire. That team is god-awful. Texas A&M could cover the 10 easily. Texas A&M could probably cover 21 in this game. Uh, It's not like Moo has this intimidating home atmosphere. Nope. And they're just, I, I cannot imagine a scenario where Mississippi State covers a 10.5 yourself. I 100% agree. I would usually uh, take this time to call out our nemesis, Stingray, but he right. and his Bulldogs have become so irrelevant by now, not even worth the time. Uh, I'm calling this my huge hate of the week. Right. Thank you. Uh, of the I, week, of the week. There we go. Uh, I just, I think, I don't know, I go through these sort of identity crises where I think maybe every team Alabama's played is just trash, but I actually believe A&M is at least decent, and even if they are only a quarter of the way decent, they are still head and shoulders above Dan Mullen's Moo U squad right now. Exactly. And finally, the game that you came for. Your Crimson Tide heads into the uh, Death Valley, which is a fake Death Valley. Clemson is the only real Death Valley. Uh, as a seven-point favorite. Uh, do tell. What do you think? Who do you hate? I, I've got this going two ways, and we've said this before, and it's a bit of a cop-out, but uh, stick with me. I think the second half is either just a joyous affair and a total party for the Tide fans, or I think it's just a nightmare where we're ripping our hair out. I think mm-hmm. I think LSU probably keeps it close for the first half. I, we may be up maybe a touchdown by halftime, but then I think it splits. If our coaches can take the guys into the locker room, uh, sort of adjust our game plan as they see fit, and come out and call the right plays and everybody executes and does their job, I think the second half is a gimme. I think our offensive line will bowl over their guys. I think our running backs are better than any they've seen. Again, Auburn was not running the ball uh, when LSU played them, and even if they were, I like our guys. Uh, I think Joshua Jacobs has a big day. You know, Damian will do his thing, and I hope we pull Bo in some, but Jacobs is going to be the one who comes and grinds in uh, keeps their defense on its heels, starts to wear them out. As I mentioned earlier, we need to see it from Jalen. We've got to see him grow. But as cool yeah. as that kid is, I just can't see him 
getting freaked out by the environment, getting freaked out by the stakes. Uh, all that in mind, again, I think it could come down to the wire, and that would probably be a terrible situation. But I'm going to say more likely your tide pulls far ahead in the second half. I'm going to put us about 41 to 21. Zoinks. Roll Tide. Talk to me. Okay. Well, all right. I think the Tide finds a way also. Um, not quite as extreme as you think. Uh, as we mentioned, LSU's been talking entirely too much. I think we're in their heads. Yes. This game rests, as we said, I think, on the secondary and how they find a way to respond to the loss of Eddie Jackson. If we defend the mid-range and deep ball well, I think we're fine. Fournette is a great back. And I think he'll do better than he did last year. I mean, I don't think we're going to stuff him to 34 yards again, but I just don't see him getting anywhere near 100 yards. Uh, you're probably right about it being keeping it close in the first half and maybe breaking it over to the second. But in the end, I'm seeing the finalists out of about 30, LSU 20. I like the sound of that, my man. Okay, good enough. Well, that'll do it for another edition of Houndstein Theorist, brought to you by Wild Bill's Wing Sauce. And Druid City Brewing Company. Remember, you can find us on the website at houndstoothheroes.com or on Facebook or on Twitter at H2Heroes. Take it home, my brother. And we have had a couple of uh, hardworking and industrious heroes get on the iTunes podcast and give us a review. They are pretty entertaining, so you should check them out. And while you're there, if you thought this was just the worst thing you've ever heard, then you can leave your own five-star review for us. Y'all be good. Roll Tide.